This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no E's dot com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Transpersonal Radio with Angela Lynn Gibson. Remember, your thoughts upload your reality. Think wisely and always prepare to ignite. Welcome. Welcome to Transpersonal Radio. Transpersonalradio.com. Real talk for real life. Inspiring podcasts. Exploring personal empowerment. empowerment. And transformation. Through parapsychology, spirituality, and how your thoughts Up. upload your reality. And now your host, Angela. Angela L. Gibson. Hey, I want to give a shout out to Steve Schoen an accomplished professional voice actor and audio producer who created my new intro and outro for Transpersonal Radio. Steve is based out of the Sacramento, California area. If you'd like to hire Steve for voiceover work, you can find him at soundsofmyvoice.com. That's sounds with an S, soundsofmyvoice.com. Steve is also an event entertainer and wedding DJ. If you want to liven up your event with a truly talented and fun personality, Check out SacramentoWeddingDJ.com. You can also find Steve on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash Steve.Shone. That's S-C-H-O-N. Thanks, Steve. Reverend Will Hutton and Counsel for the Path of the Divine Unconditional Love joins me today to discuss how to undo the karmic patterns of fear and pain that separate us from unconditional love. Reverend Will explains how we can heal ourselves from patterns of unlovingness and move toward our destiny. We will also discuss the topics of positive thinking, judgment, and forgiveness. So Reverend Will, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, You have an upcoming book. God's Will, The Revolution to Live, and I'm going to be reading some excerpts from that as we move forward. But before we get started, I wanted to talk a little bit about your definitions of God, sin, and original sin, because I know some people listening to this podcast will have preconceived notions, and I just want to define our terms before we start. And that's really important because uh, God is used in many ways, mostly not in a positive, good way. When we talk about God as a punitive God, as a punishing God, it doesn't set the right tone because if God is love, then we're talking about two different things. So uh, when I talk about God, it's the loving God. When we talk about a God that punishes or, or destroys things because someone was bad, then let's call that karma or fear. So that's, that's real important. Also, the word sin, ooh, watch out for that word. Uh, people are insulted by the word sin because it's such a bad, bad word. And the reason why it's bad is because it was used against people. If you were brought up in a religious family, what was the most, uh, the worst thing someone could say to you? It would be, you're a sinner, you're bad, you're, and this will burn a hole right in you. And so the way I like to use the word sin, and I like to use it because it's a good word, is uh, for mistake. Now, that's sin. A mistake is a sin. Now, original sin, on the other hand, is is if you are creating a sin over and over, original sin was the original sin that started this sin in the first place. So original sin would be the first screw up that made all the other screw ups. 
And so everyone has sin, and then they have original sin. Well, what was your particular screw-up when you first screwed up that started this whole catastrophe? So those are uh, three uh, words that are going to be used during the interview. Okay, great. I want to address a topic of confusion. I think a lot of people are in a state of confusion today. They're searching for something. They don't know really what it is, or they think they know what it is, or or there's just this sense of being lost, trying to find their path. And I wanted to read an excerpt that I think is, is sort of feeds into that idea, and then we can go from there. But you say in your book, as we are aware of dissenting philosophies, and the reason I wanted to start with this is because we are looking at so many different philosophies trying to find answers. So I think this is a perfect place to start. As we are aware of dissenting philosophies, we experience mostly helplessness than apathy. We feel helpless to change, for we are conditioned to believe that this is life and that there is no other way, as we have been given this formula from the beginning, which seems hardwired. This is also known as original sin, which is a self-perpetual manifestation. Original sin has two elements to it. They are, I feel horrible, and I hate how I feel horrible. In this, sin is sinned against, which inflames both the subject and that which is resisting it. The more we hate how we feel, the worse what we feel becomes, the more we hate how it feels, and so on. And I think this is beautiful because there are so many things in this. So if you can just expand on this and what you mean. Absolutely. The reason why I wrote this is because um, I would meet people who um, read at least 10 New Age books. The weird thing about it is those books don't agree with each other, but we're not discerning enough to understand it because if someone says, think positive only and it'll help you, it sounds really good. But if someone says, think positive only and if you have negative thoughts, then accept those negative thoughts, that also sounds good. But it contradicts the first thought. But we're not discerning because we're so confused. The way we approach it is that it's all true. Because mostly in the New Age, what we learn that's different than religion is that Everyone has their own truth. And if that's true, I could listen to this book, this book, this book, and this book, and it's all good because it's all true. But if you uh, really understand that, you're living in a dichotomy. Is it true or not? Well, it's both true and not true. I go, wow, that must be really crazy to live from that space. So um, <laughs> what I said, I go, well, let's look at let's look at these uh, philosophies and let's figure out which ones work and which ones don't and understand that these don't work and that these do so that we can figure out what to do because if we're living from a philosophy that says um, negative thinking is bad you should never think of it because it manifests negative well then never think of it don't talk about it if something bad happened to you don't talk about it because it's true that if you talk about it it'll come true or it'll make it worse or it'll make it happen again well so I we think make- um, personally that's one of the problems that I tend to have with this law of attraction <laughs> the philosophy of law of attraction and thinking good your thoughts manifest things. Perhaps on some level that's true, but to me it's also, uh, it seems like a cop-out. It's easy to blame the victim. Well, if something bad happens in your life, it's because you're thinking bad things, or it's because you're not thinking right things, or you're not thinking things the right way. Well, then I'm going to develop apathy, because at this point I can't stop my brain from thinking certain things, and so I'm, I'm screwed. What, what am I supposed to do with this? 
Yeah, it sounds uh, to me there is truth in it that uh, the when you talk about something negative in a negative way, like you hate something negative. Yeah, absolutely. What you're doing is you're causing more harm. So yeah, it would manifest more harm. But when you say all negativity, thinking about it manifests negativity. That's actually a lie, because thinking about negativity in a loving way actually undoes bad things or bad karma. So we need to take that in consideration. I think that's a fascinating viewpoint, and I don't think it's one that many people are proposing right now. Well, it's about time we got a little bit more enlightened than we are. Yes, I agree. Speaking of enlightenment, so let's talk about spiritual debt. Uh, this is something that, that to me, this really spoke to me. And again, I'm going to read an excerpt because it's the best way to, to open the discussion. In your book, you say what we have created here is spiritual debt which is believed to be a loophole in creation to just get by. This is cheating creation and ourselves from that which would truly heal us, the love and acceptance of ourselves. In feeling this debt, there is a hopelessness that feels unmovable, that feels it will crush us all. This is the pressure of resistance of the fear of being crushed. Spiritual debt is a reflection of the money system we currently have based in the denial that creates control and manipulation. As we are unable to handle, thus deal with issues in the past, we have put them off until there was more time to reconcile them. This is also known as post-traumatic stress disorder. The problem being here is the way we have dealt with our fear and pain, further denial is a way that has been chosen with the majority of time, and, and this is true. Further denial, uh, basically not dealing with things through drugs, philosophies, religions, attractive fear-based addictions, I see this happen all the time with myself, with friends, with family members. Mm -hmm. Instead of dealing with something that's painful, mm -hmm. well, uh, I'm going to drink some wine. Uh, I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to watch movies. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to shut down, disconnect, not deal. Yeah, it's an addictive way of behavior. So uh, there is a sense that if something happened to you at the age of six, Certainly, there are no tools or you can't or people around you can't help you at that time. So maybe by the time you're 40, you could deal with these issues. Now, if you have no intention of dealing with those issues at the age of six, you'll continue to repress them and you'll continue to have problems through your 40s. But let's do this instead. Let's say that we were uh, injured uh, sexually when we were six years old and we're 40 right now and we're going to deal with it. That's what uh, it was meant to do. Time was meant to go uh, to be used and to say, okay, I'm four years old. I have all these tools. Now let's go back to when I was six and let's open this um, uh, Pandora's box up right now and experience it the way we should experience at the age of six, but could not because no one wanted us to. Uh, we didn't know. We were too young. And so it's time to take care of it now. So spiritual debt is this. I did something horrible in the past, and if I put enough walls and blocks and alcohol and addictions to separate me from it, there's a chance that I don't have to deal with it at all. And wow, isn't that, wouldn't that be great if I could just block off all my problems? But really, when you block off a problem, what you do is you add to your debt. So whatever, however worse it was, now it's like 15 times worse now because you put bricks alcohol, addictions, and sexual addictions all on it to smash it down even further. Now you have a bigger problem, and this is where we're faced right now, to where we're looking at our problems with ourselves and the world and say to ourselves, this is absolutely impossible to change. It's absolutely impossible. One of the questions I have too, uh, I, your statement here, spiritual debt is a reflection of the money system we currently have. 
Um, it's based on the denial that recre- creates control and manipulation. So let's talk about that in a broader sense. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I want to say how glamorous money is. How uh, money, in many, many respects, is love. I mean, you can see it buying love, but it's not real love, but it's illusionary love. You could see the lust and the thirst. It's like the taste for blood. Money is like, oh, if I had money. And, you know, like no one talks like that about love or goodness. Because if someone says, God, I wish I could have love, it'd be so great. Because <laughs> you, you wouldn't think they were talking about love. You think they're talking about power or greed or something to empower themselves to beat someone else up. So, spirit, um, uh, this concept comes from uh, opening up and feeling more and healing uh, this part. And if you felt that your lust for money, you'd, you'd think, Oh my God, I'm addicted to this stuff. So if this is an item that's used for addiction and power, I go, well then, well look how it's used. For, look at uh, the normal person, not, I shouldn't say normal, but look at the average person. The average person takes part of their money and gives it to a government that uses it for what they want to. Now, are we in agreement to this? No, but you know, we trust these people because we don't know any better because we're too apathetic to really think for ourselves. So. Because of our apathy, we'll shove this money and have them do what they want to do. And of course, you know, it's usually not good. And then we complain later, maybe 10 years later when we find out. So this is part of the concept of uh, understanding uh, the money system and how we are uh, uh, in love with this thing, but not in a good way. Okay. So let's talk about this. You, you have another statement where you say, we have created a belief system or we have created belief systems for the destruction of creation. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a, a volatile statement. It sounds harsh. It sounds oh my God, harsh. that's so harsh. <laughs> How could you say something like that? It's real easy to say something like that. Any mistake that you make, any mistake that you perpetuate over and over and over, what you're doing is you're creating destruction. Anything that you do loving over and over, you're creating good things, you're creating healing. So the way I look at society and the individual is this. I look at the individual in society uh, as uh, someone that makes decisions all day long. How much are those decisions based in fear, therefore judgmental? And how much are those decisions uh, loving and therefore healing and uh, cultivating? I look at most people, including myself, and I look at all the decisions make uh, made out of judgment and fear. Like, oh, if you make a decision out of judgment and fear, and if you feel it deeply, it's for the destruction of yourself, directly for the destruction of yourself. And of course, if you're creating your reality, you can't create a reality where you're destroying yourself without creating a reality that also destroys itself. So it goes hand in hand. And I know those are really harsh words, but I'd like to cut to the chase. Down deep, this is what it really is. Hey there, for you listeners of Transpersonal Radio, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recommend you check out Crush It! Why Now is the Time to Cash In on Your Passion by Gary Vaynerchuk or Mindset! The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash transpersonalradio. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transpersonal radio for your free audiobook. Let's talk about positive thinking, and it goes back a little bit uh, to what I mentioned earlier, the law of attraction, um, the secret, the idea of, of positive thinking. Again, thoughts create things. If you have positive thoughts, you have positive uh, things in your life. And 
just for a little background, I'm very familiar with the secret and the law of attraction. And I watched The Secret several times, and I think finally what I came away with was an epiphany. Aha! This isn't necessarily about, I'm just going to think positive thoughts and positive things are going to happen per se, because, uh, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm picking on, on The Secret, so if they ever listen to this, I just want to make that clear. But when I watch it, it's almost as if, and the way that they portrayed it was almost as if, Oh, if you, you want that fancy sports car, you just think about it hard enough and you're going to get it. That bicycle in the window, if you think about it and manifest it mm-hmm. in your mind and manifest it spiritually, it'll happen. Uh, if you think about a million dollars, you'll get a million dollars, you know. And I don't think that's what it's really about. I think ultimately it's about your attitude. So if you have a positive attitude in life, you're going to get further than if you have a negative attitude in life. And that's just common sense. But you take that a step further and you talk about what positive thinking really is as opposed to what we have constructed for ourselves. Yeah, positive thinking. That's a big one. Uh, first of all, when we want something, you know, when someone comes up and they say, I want this. My first question is, do you really want it? Or is it a fear-based need that you have? For instance, I like to have a lot of money. Why? Why would you possibly want a lot of money for? Well, then I don't have to worry about it. I go, oh, so you want a lot of money, so you don't have to feel your feelings of worrying about your survival. I go, well, I would say that want or that need is based in fear. When you want something, it's important to get it based in love because if you work for something that's based in fear, you got to do it in a fear-based, judgmental way. You have to. Because if you, for instance, if you want to uh, topple your enemies from another country because you're afraid they're going to hurt you, well, you have to come from fear to get that. Because you have to get the people on your side and get the money to get an army to go over there and conquer them. And this will be all done in fear. So first of all, let's get the want, but let's make, let's make sure it's based in love and it's good. So when we go after it, we'll go after it with good deeds rather than bad deeds. So that's the first thing about positive thinking. The second thing I, I notice about positive thinking is it's very wishy-washy. It's very, oh, I wish. And, you know, like, because everyone that has ever won the lottery, I bet you this one thing. I bet you they thought about it, right? Everyone who got a nice, shiny car, they thought about a nice, shiny car. Everyone who ever got married to the man of their dreams, they thought about getting the man of the dreams. But how many people actually think about that and get absolutely nothing? Not even Thank you. Thank so um, so it's like it's like a broken clock. Yes. It'll be right twice a day. And so what we're saying is, see, it was right twice a day. I go, well, what about the other, um, you know, um, hundred something minutes in the in, in the day that just went by that nothing happened? I go, well, it was right twice a day. I go, well, those odds aren't very good. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it, the, a, a more succinct way of doing it is I would say, hey, get something really positive that's not based in fear and then go after it. The way to get something positive is to get out of your own way of having it. Uh, By nature, you're a divine creature, but you don't really think that. You think you're an undivine creature filled with fear and guilt, and mostly you identify yourself and your soul with fear and guilt. So what does fear and guilt deserve? Nothing. So you come from that fear and guilt and say, I want to be rich so I don't have to think or feel that I am full of fear and guilt and I don't deserve anything. And so when we go after that, it might actually happen that you become rich, but at what cost? Well, at the cost of your soul. And so what you came here to do was to improve your soul and to be more loving. You become the opposite. And so, yes, sure, you're rich, but what do you have? You have less than what you had before you're rich. So you went 
went backwards. So that, that's really crazy. Yes, it is. It is. Another statement that you make, you say, as one represses self, the universe acts in like reply. In other words, karma or the law of attraction and creates unlovingness. In that aspect, I can understand how the law of attraction would work. Because to me, that's it's a logical action reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you could do this right now with me. Every second, you're stimulated by response. I, what I say, what you see, you make a decision, whether you know it or not. And that decision is rather to have loving acceptance or something, or to have not loving acceptance and to judge and fear it. So what we're doing here is when you drive down the street, someone pulls in front of you, you could say, I hate that person because that person is getting in my way and I have dreams in my life. And because that person pulled in from in front of me, they're so selfish. They want to take away from me and take away my livelihood and life. And so I hate that person. You can make that decision real easy and that's a decision. And so what you're going to create is more competition in your life, more repression in your life, more judgment in your life and more resistance against how you feel and how vulnerable you feel. So that's a bad decision to create bad things. Now, what if something else happened? What if the same thing happened, but this time you go, oh God, that person who pulled in front of me scared me. Let's do something different this time. I'm scared. He made me feel that he was going to get in my way. And he made me feel that with him in my way, I couldn't get what I want. And him personally was stopping me from living my life. And so I would usually have to blame him for trying to kill me, for pulling in front of me because he's trying to stop me from my livelihood. But this time, I'm going to have loving acceptance for the feeling of fear I have of someone pulling in front of me. Those are two different decisions. One is made based out of fear, uh, revenge, hate, and judgment. And the other one is made out of forgiveness, love, and a, a cultivating sense of self. Very different. Very, very different. Yeah. And let's talk about judgment. Yeah. Because that's another big one. And we were talking about this. You and I, we were talking about this the other day, and you actually said something that stayed with me, and I wanted to address it and, I, and it, because it was valuable for me. I've had a personal struggle with judgment because there, especially with the new age movement, there tends to be a, oh, we all need to love each other and, and forgive everything. And, and, you know, with the Old Testament, you have an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That, it was pretty judgmental. It was, it was mm-hmm. you know, retribution. Mm-hmm. New Testament was all about turn the other cheek, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a problem with that one too. And I think there's somewhere in the middle, but uh, I hear a lot in the new age movement. Oh, you know, I don't judge. Don't be judgmental. Let everybody, let people be, you know, you have your way. I have my way. Everybody's happy, but that doesn't resonate with me because there, there, there's a certain amount of judgment that goes on every day for survival. I make judgments all the time about people I'm around, people who are around me, activities that are happening. I'm making judgments. The statement that you said was, there's a difference between judgment and discernment. And I thought that was... Yeah. Isn't that neat? Uh, Because when you go to Baskin-Robbins, you don't have to hate 30 flavors (laughs) to pick one. You could love one and go with that. So, uh, and that's why uh, there's a saying in the new age that there is no right and wrong, because if there's right and wrong, then we're judging. But if you listen to that... um, uh, that advice, that that advice is a is a dichotomy because someone picked the new age to do good, so good does exist, and they're trying to do bad, which means bad does exist. So saying that is a dichotomy most of the time from the person who's saying it. You say in your book 
If you believe God's will is to repress and judge yourself and your will, then you are dealing with an imposter. Your thoughts based in fear are not your desires. Your desires and will are based in love, just like God's. In this, there is no separation. Yeah, this is, there's a huge uh, understanding that you are separate from God. In the worst respect, there is nothing about you godly, loving, or good. And there is something on the outside of you that is, and you are supposed to atone to it in the worst respect. Uh, New Ages believe a little bit different. Um, New Ages believe that there's something divine within and that there's a, a pure God also. And, but there's still separation because, uh, for instance, someone told me that someone was in trouble and they were going to send them love. And I go, oh, that's great. It's good to send people love. And I kind of heard it as a New Age gimmick. Sending them love meant, I send you love. Aren't you happy I sent you love? But really, the only reason why you would send anyone love is because they're in pain or they're hurting, they're very afraid, like uh, they have a debilitation, they got an accident. So if you're really going to send them love, you would have loving acceptance of their debilitation, which means if someone's laying in bed and they're disabled, I would have loving acceptance by feeling them and they would feel, this is it, it's over, I can't do any more. That's what uh, real sending love is. Um, we are... In, in us, we have God's desire. The only problem that we have with God's desire is that we don't really know how to access it because that part of our body is called our feelings and we don't really feel very good and we kind of resist them. So what we do is this, we resist our feelings, which we, we resist God's will, and then in the same motion, we try to act like God or try to do good. It's really hard to do. It's really hard. So if you're repressing God's will and God's desire in you because you hate the feelings or you don't think you're God's will and you try to come from that space, you'll I guarantee you'll always make a mistake because you always come from fear. So, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, and again, it, one, of, one of the uh, quotes from your book, God's will is the revolution. We have separated ourselves from this notion of desire and will, associating it with the sin of lust and its wild appetite that does whatever it feels like. This judgment represses the feminine aspect of self, no different than when we have seen repression of women on the planet, only worse. While the thinking aspect of self is male-polarized, the feminine aspect of self feels. You may notice what aspect of self has notoriety and what aspect was told it was crazy and thus judged. The judgment of feeling is the repression of the Divine Mother. This goddess is not recognized at all in most religions, and when she is, there is no mention of her equality to God our Father. God's will is the mother's desire. It is also your desire that feels what is right. There's a lot of information in there, and um, I and I wanted to address the the idea. And you're talking about being in tune with your feelings. So you have your masculine energy, which is logical and analytical, mm -hmm. thinking with the mind. Uh, and of course, if you're logical and analytical, you're sane and you're grounded and you know what you're talking about. And you have the feminine side that is dealing with emotions and dealing with, with feeling and intuition. And of course, that's flighty and emotional and uh, crazy. Trouble. I, I don't want to deal with that. Um, I know personally, I have my own struggle with getting out of my head. I always want to be scientific and analytical and logical. I don't want to feel. Ah, yeah, danger. But um, but I'm finding that there's lack in in my wholeness, and that I need to address the feeling and the emotions. Right? Um, isn't it convenient? 
to think everything the way you want to think and be in control because I think this way, therefore I am. Isn't that fun and nice and good and great? <laughs> I mean, it's the greatest thing that you've ever heard that whatever you think is. And so this is the insanity of just using your head. The insanity is this. If you get in a car accident and you get hurt, you could, you could use your head to validate that this experience was not bad. It was good. And the way it's good is this. You could, you could make sense out of anything. Well, you know, I could have got killed, so, and I didn't. So I was lucky. So I was blessed by God. See, you could think like that. Absolutely. You bring up an excellent point. Uh, and, and it goes back to the whole positive thinking or optimism. And how many times we have said, oh, it could have been worse, but I'm blessed because it wasn't. God was with you because was with it. But really, uh, you know, and that's really crazy because if something bad happened to you and you say it was a good thing, well, then you can't acknowledge the bad, the pain, the judgment that it came from. And thus, you'll never heal it. In fact, you'll take something bad and you'll sugarcoat it and say, this was a positive, good experience, which means you'll never heal the judgment and fear it came from. It's like taking a piece of dirt and putting uh, icing over it and handing someone to eat. No one will eat it because it's not good. It's not nutritious. But you say it's wonderful. So this is a huge lie. And so when you were talking about positivity, it sounded so Pollyanna. I'm positive. It's great. And, and the, the problem with that is this. If everything's positive and great, then you can never feel betrayal. You can never feel angry. Or you can never feel any so-called negative feeling. Therefore, in order to feel positive all the time, or at least think you are, you must deny your feelings. You have to, because that's the only way to remain positive. So if you remain in that space, you will go more insane that you than you are already are. The only problem with that is that if you go insane this way, in this reality, you will look absolutely normal to most people. And that's the problem because no one's gonna catch that go, hey, you know what? Every time something bad happens to you, you always say it's all good and when it's never all good or no parts of it were good. So I think you're getting more crazy and getting more in denial. And by the way, you're drinking a lot more and you're smoking a lot more pot. I'm not sure why, but I think you're using it to mask that it's really not all good, but you're trying to convince yourself really good that it is. Yes, wow. yes. And I think uh, one of the things that I struggled with is feeling guilt. Ooh. Feeling guilt if I felt something uh was negative feeling guilt if if i didn't take the tact oh well you know i got in a car accident but i didn't die so so it was a good thing uh and not talk about the bad thing so if i feel if i feel betrayal mm -hmm. if i feel anger towards someone if i feel uh if i feel less than positive thoughts now i have guilt 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 is an excellent um item in your space to drive you in the ground further you might notice with every ounce of guilt that you have, you have free. Some people believe they don't have guilt, but uh, I'll tell you, if you have pain, fear, or judgment, you, you must have guilt because guilt is the only thing in your space saying that you deserve what you have, which is bad. And in fact, if we didn't have any guilt, there would be nothing in our space telling us that you have to have this and we just simply wouldn't hold on to it just wouldn't hold on so guilt is a, a factor that fear must have in, in order to adhere to us to make make it true so i want to tell you real quick how to undo guilt it's really simple uh, but you probably forget but this is how to undo guilt real simple one 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 sentence 
you have to feel like you're a bad person. That's how you undo guilt. Because guilt makes you repress yourself that you're a bad person. But if you feel that you are a bad person in a loving sense, you undo that which it's making you do. So guilt says, you're bad, you're bad. And you go, I know, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to repress myself more because I hate myself. Okay, that's what guilt does. But what if we did the opposite? The opposite would be have loving acceptance that we are a bad person. So it undoes guilt. So people who are guilty are really afraid and resistance and judgmental about feeling bad about themselves. Let's talk a little bit more about divine feminine and masculine qualities that you bring up in this excerpt that I just read where we're talking about how the, the self, uh, the male self is polarized and the feminine self feels and using this, I guess, as a tool to move away from repression and move closer to the divine mother. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Well, there's a sense of self. There's I know, I think, and the other part which feels. And like I said, uh, one gets the notoriety and one thinks it's kind of cuckoo. And that's why men tell women, you feel too much. Uh, and, and it's a judgment because if you thought like me, you wouldn't have any problems. The problems is your emotions. And so this is the problem. Uh, what this is, is I think, and, uh, and my feelings. How do I think about my feelings? Well, I don't know. How does the male aspect of you experience the feminine aspect of you? Mostly the male aspect of you experiences the female aspect of you as a problem, something that needs to be controlled. And it, it gets its way. So what we do is we control our feelings. What happens when we control our feelings is we create unlovingness within us and bad things happen and manifest around us. We don't really have a loving acceptance of that. We resist it some more, create more insanity, repress ourselves more, and then we're in a worse space, creating worse manifestation. So undoing where we are in 2010 is recognizing and saying, hey, you know what? You know what's weird about this world? That everything on the outside of me, I feel it on the inside. And anything that's bad, I feel it's bad on the inside. That's because we're a reflection of the world. The way to undo this is to have loving acceptance of how we feel. Now, how do we feel about the government? Well, if you feel you hate the government, then have loving acceptance that you hate the government. And you might notice what the government is. The government is the thought process of your mind because it runs everything. And just like your mind runs everything, the government runs everything. So this is a reflection of yourself. If you're looking at the government as corrupt, I go, well, and you're feeling it like that, I go, well, aren't you corrupt? And isn't your body government corrupt just like the government on the outside? The answer is yes, it's a reflection. So instead of hating the government, say, well, the government's playing games, you can say, well, I'm playing games. I'm going to be responsible for the government and um, accept myself. I want to show you how it's um, what to do if I wanted to be responsible for the government and make a real change, not say, oh, and not yell at the government, say, you guys are crooks and you're just doing it for greed and money because we're just talking to ourselves. So why don't I just do this right now and uh, heal my corrupt government? And what would happen if I heal right now? The way to heal my corrupt government is to have acceptance of what I'm damaging and repression. And what would I experience if I did that right now in front of you here? I would say, I would feel I can't do this on my own, that this is stupid, that no one will understand if I do this. And there's too much hate for people to understand to undo it here. And there's too much corruption. And plus, people are addicted to this corruption anyway. And they'll never listen because the addiction that they have right now of feeding themselves lies are so strong, they'll never want to open like this 
like I'm doing ever, so they'll never come with me. Those are my fears about my government, but my government is me and my thoughts. So that's what you would do to heal your government and heal yourself and heal the relationship between you as a spirit and you as your will coming together more as one in your heart to have more love, to make everything better on the outside. That's true change, not just yelling at the government. Any of the listeners that are local to the Sacramento area, if you're interested, Reverend Will offers spirit and will meditation and healing classes at the Love and Light Healing Center in Carmichael, and private sessions are also available. So, Reverend Will, how do people reach you and, and find out more about this? Well, the physical class is at 4826 El Camino Avenue in Carmichael, or you could look me up on Facebook, which I have all my information for the class on there. It's at facebook.com slash Will Hutton, that's W-I-L-L-H-U-T-T-U-N-E-N, or you could call me at 916-600-6161. So all different ways to uh, talk. If you're not sure about the class, you might just want to talk to me and say, is this class right for me? I go, well, it's right for you, but do you want to take it or not? Right, beautiful. And I'll make sure to post those links on my website as well. So so any of the listeners that are going directly to my website, I'll have your information up there and they can copy that in case, they, in case they're listening to this in the car and they're not, right. not yeah. able to write it down. So, okay, wonderful. Very good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trans Transpersonal Radio. If you'd like to suggest a future future topic or be a guest, visit transpersonalradio.com. Call the hotline at 619-800-6057 or like our page, facebook.com slash transpersonalradio.